Hi, welcome to episode 25 of Dream Signs in the Times. Today I want to talk about mind matters and how to access the magic that has kind of been hidden from the modern mind. And it is all about the mind. Uh, I was going through this song to, I wrote it in uh, 2000, the year 2000. And um, I realized that I was kind of feeling these things um, and some of these bigger concepts, but I was really focused in, on music. So what happened was I did these sort of unconscious lyrics, just wrote what I liked to hear at the time. And sometimes that stuff, I go back and listen to it. I'm like, okay, those were like the seeds of some of the stuff that's come to fruition in terms of really connecting with these energies later on. It's so strange to to have a record of that that's that's accessible like that. It's it's like the like time hopping, you know, going through different um stages and feelings of the relationship with time, but these points connect and there's an infinite feeling to it. It's pretty pretty bizarre and cool and part of, you know, what we're experiencing here. And I've been going over my role in why I'm doing these podcasts, like what I want my role to be. And obviously, I'm going to be following the Tao or following the energy of this kind of thing and just doing it. Uh, and but, with, you know, with some an- analysis, but mostly just following this energy. But I don't want to be somebody who's telling people what to do and what to think, but to highlight tools that can be used for people to get to their own ideas of what to think and how to get inside this infinite universe that each of us carries uh, with us. We uh, get kind of pulled into the outside world. That's one of the big things I like to talk about. But there's hidden magic going on that I think we're we need to figure out ways to access and have people feel like their access to it actually means something. And the reason we're at that point in history right now, and it goes, history goes through phases like this where people have this connected feeling, uh, at least from what I've read, and then times when it splinters and goes out of focus again, and, and the individual has a rough time uh, connecting with this kind of stuff because, but it happens because of what I call the literalization of the sacred texts, the literalization of dream interpretation, making these things literal. And what I mean by that is they go through uh, a bunch of analysis and analysis, let's go with the left brain, right brain thing. And the left brain is being the analytical side. This is not the be all end all representation of what's happening with the mind, but it's one of the ways to look at it. And so we put all this, this sacred stuff, the symbols and the texts and um, symbolic reading of, of dream material through this hyper analysis, imprison it in, a, in sets of words and thus killing the energy of it in a lot of ways because symbols uh, in and of themselves carry this energy and with that carrying of energy a lot of times there is access to different states of mind and so by putting these in words and analyzing them we've lost some of the uh, the the gate mechanism that the symbol uh, can open for us and the magic of it 
um, of what it tries to describe gets caught up in these words and and neutralized almost in a negative way. So words are a double-edged sword. I'm communicating with words right now, but I'm hoping that conveying this feeling, this energy is what is occurring more than the words. And I stumble on words a lot. I get that, but I'm going after something. I'm not looking to sound perfect with all this stuff. I am going after something every time uh, I do a podcast like this. So I'm reading Schwaller de Lubitz right now, and um, he wrote The Egyptian Miracle, and I'm reading the, the condensed version, the introduction to the wisdom of the temple. And uh, this book was recommended to me by somebody I, I respect because he's done a lot of research in in these areas. And so I just, I got a book that would just be a, a representation of some of, of his work. And Schwaller de Lubitz talks about the over-rationalization that was going on when he wrote the book. And, uh, you know, he's talking about this stuff that we're talking about, how words have taken over and, and science has taken over. And I'm not anti-science. I'm very pro-science in a lot of ways because I, th- I think it's a tool. It's a very good tool. And I probably have talked about that before. But it's it's... It's not the be-all, end-all explainer of experience because with the tool itself, does does the the shovel tell the story of digging the garden? It doesn't. It's it's one of those things that we use to build things and to understand things on a certain level, but there is much more to all that than just that scientific aspect. And so in on page 47, he talks about um, the literal sacred texts and um, the symbolique. Okay, that actually, I'm going to backtrack. He talks about symbolique, which is um, a method of state change. So the symbol is not just, you're not just looking at an Egyptian symbol and going, okay, that's the pharaoh carrying the, the snake staff or whatever. You look at it and it was sp- supposed to evoke very sp- specific energies, but not stuff that can be necessarily put directly into words. That's a hard thing for the modern mind to wrap itself around, that the symbol itself is the experience or it's the evoker of the experience. We don't trust our insides enough to really say that we would be getting that. And maybe we don't have the context of how that symbol was used. And there are a lot of things like for some of us, uh, when we see um, certain restaurant uh, signs that we saw as a little kid, that evokes uh, a need to go get a hamburger or whatever. Um, and that maybe it, it brings up those happy feelings of being a kid. But And so these these aspects of the Egyptian culture likely had that usage that, that gave... Um, some context to it, but there's even more to it than that when applied to the internal world. So, um, and the symbolique is the word he uses and that's French. And we're talking uh, about a French writing on Egyptian symbols, which was translated to English. So this illustrates my next point that a lot of the sacred texts of the ancients, um, have been through a multitude of translations and 
some of the the meaning was lost in those translations. I believe that some of it comes through purely in certain ways, but there a lot of it is encoded. And when we try to understand that from the modern perspective without having grown up with all these different things that that, that would uh, resonate with some of that, we are losing some of the meaning. So what we do is we make it very literal and we analyze what the Bible says or any of the other sacred texts. And when we, we get uh, into this analytical war with stuff that was symbolic or metaphorical, and people say mythal, myth, and it makes people mad because they're like, you know, the Bible is not a myth. It's, it's, it's what was written down. And I'm not angry at the Christian faith in particular for that. It's not about a, an anger situation. But hanging on to, to the literal word when the idea of the energy is so much bigger than that, um, it puts... Well, and this is the negative worst, uh, use of the word ego. It puts a lot of ego and judgment in the hands of the, the beholder. And that, to me, is not the point of those particular texts. It's to evoke something that connects a person closer to the higher energy. And, but we've, we, are, we are living in a time where it's difficult to connect with some of that. And here is why. And I, I came up with this idea that some of the um, sacred texts, the wielders of the sacred texts that get very literal about it, get into dogma fights. And that dogma, it, it's what it's turned into. These things that were meant to evoke a higher vibration uh, turned into dogma, which shut off the magic of it and shut off the state change and became uh, a, a weapon. It became weaponized. So... Um, I'm going to go through some other stuff and 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 go back to that a little bit. But um, in the infinity symbol is interesting because what the the relationship between the internal and the external world. I use the infinity symbol to to encapsulate that because to me the external world world has this infinite uh, vibe to it of you know the ever expanding universe and the internal world is equally infinite. In each person. That's a powerful thing. That is a very powerful thing to think that we are in command of this relationship with the external world where we have the ability to um, steward this extraordinary infinite world. And uh, with the collective unconscious, there could be this, this sense that everybody is part of a oneness, but we are given a certain not portion of it, but a certain um, perspective of it or, or um, flow of it to, to live with the, the awareness in relation to the external world and the circumstances into which we're born, including DNA, including environment, uh, time period, all the things. So when our awareness is that point in the infinity symbol, you have the two loops one of the loops is the external world in, in this model that I'm, I'm using. And then one of them is the internal world. And then our awareness is at that juncture in the middle. And the totality of that reminds me of the yin-yang symbol in a lot of ways. And But that ability to attenuate or um, make that uh, open and close the flow and the relationship between those infinite worlds and um, have the energy relate in a certain way, that's 
absolutely fascinating because that is one of those things that I keep saying is makes everybody's life important. Um, because everybody's perspective, there's, there, there's something trying to happen with the light of the spirit world trying to shine through that balance. And I like this idea that there's a little bit of, there's a separation, but a oneness all at the same time, because there has to be a little bit of separation because the awareness to stay intact, uh, needs to realize that we're in this living state in a sensory world with physics, which is a, a world of the physics gives us this, these parameters and it's like ping, ping pong balls, uh, or, um, in a, in a, in a pinball machine, the, the parameters of the game are the physics and the ball bounces around and, and we control like, uh, as best we can, we initiate the flow and hit the, 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 um, the, paddles or whatever the the things are called in a pinball machine uh and and knock the ball out but we can't control every aspect of where where the um the pinball goes so but we need that awareness to 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 play the game and um so but in the modern world we don't have a really good relationship with our inner world a lot of this validation that we need go come seems to have to come from external sources and there's a blindness that comes with that there's chaos that comes with that there's all kinds of stuff that just doesn't allow for um that meaning that we're looking for a lot of us are spending a lot of time looking for meaning and we go through phases of like well if i if i do this for humanity and mankind then i'm adding meaning to the world and and then uh we realize that that something's still missing and so some people go in the helping professions and yes that's amazing that's that's helpful and all the all those things that we're going after but there is more going on than all of that and i was having a discussion with one of my favorite people in the world today and we were talking about how if we are walk around with the most self-actualized feeling in that way of balance, how that in and of itself can give people inspiration. And I'm inspired by people when I see them walking around and they just know and they feel and they're in balance and they, you can feel that they, they feel themselves and they understand that in and of itself is like a walking example. And who wouldn't want to aspire to that? We are used to this celebrity culture where we're handed an image of what's supposed to be that. And then these people like have an internal life where they're basically a lot of times being have managers and all these things. And they're, they're, they're basically um, celebrities. They, you know, they have lives and all this stuff. I'm not putting them down, but a lot of it is image and the, the image has to be maintained more than, than the realness of the situation. So, um, so that's another way that we get pulled out of ourselves. Anytime a celebrity's life seems more important than ours, that's there has one has to question that and so uh because that it, it's it's false in the sense that like if we're you know sitting uh at a table together and and eating there should be like a, a flow of information and the ability for everybody to shine and this sort of worship thing is a, is kind of a one-sided thing so i believe in the the internal ba- or the imbalance of the internal 
and the external world. And to me, it's a separation of church and state because um, the internal world would be the church and the external world would kind of be the state. And when those things, when there are kind of holes in that relationship, there's a flow when it's in balance. But when there's like a hole in the membrane and it, and it, it can be hard to tell the difference between reality and the internal world. And reality, let's call the external world reality right now. Um, that particular version of reality, we decided to be born and participate in that thing. So, uh, opting out of the sensory world like the ascetics did, you know, and ending up in the in a cave and, and being in that. That's all well and good, but a lot of us are here to figure out this balance. Um, so there are days when I wish that, like, I could just be in a meditative state all the time and just, you know, bringing in energy, but I know I'm here to be in the social stream of things and uh, not social in a, in a sense of, like, society, but, like, just interacting with other beings that are in the same, uh, boat that we're all in. So, um, and so this awareness attenuates the balance. And one of the things we can do to exercise our internal world and develop it a little bit more is to acknowledge hypnagogic images. Now, hypnagogic images are those blinkers that I was talking about in the last episode where you close your eyes and you see something. And the the thing that we want to do right away is validate. We're like, ah, I've got to know exactly what that means. If you have the ability to wait and let it simmer and and acknowledge that, okay, something cool just happened and I, I'm going to write it down or earmark it in some way or put it in my phone. And I had a couple of them today. Um, a red snake showing its fangs showed up today and it's, it's, I need to wait. I know what that's partially associated with, but I don't know the full meaning. And I looked up some, some traditional symbolism for it, but I also am remembering how it felt when it happened. And it was a, it was a big moment for me and I'm not sitting around looking for red snakes. I don't have a particular affinity for them. And so I'm just, I'm paying attention and allowing for that to simmer and see what comes of it. And so writing that down uh, gives a validation of the internal world and resist coming to conclusions about them. Uh, it puts a pressure on ourselves and that subconscious mechanism to um, bring forth meaning right away. And that can be so difficult on the, the balance of the system. And it also makes us judge ourselves if we if we think, oh, that was just random stuff, then we start that's a judgment call. And it's it's one in the negative of like, so the subconscious mind says, well, you're not listening to me. I'm, I, and it sort of pulls back on those mechanisms. Um, another thing to do to to um, acknowledge the mind internally is meditate, which is allowing it's just allowing for a calm time. Or it could be a little uh, not calm, you know, a little agitated, but allowing for the self to be acknowledged. That's what meditation is. There are different ways to go deeply into meditation. And, but this, there are all these things that, that pop up that make people not want to meditate. Like, well, I didn't go deep enough or in the meditation. Well, I didn't see these things that everybody's supposed to see when they meditate. One of my biggest, best meditation methods is to knit. 
I mean, I'm a terrible knitter and crocheter. I can do a lot of things well. I can't do that well. And I think I've talked about this before, but like that uh, monotonous motion and just the stillness of things, that allows for my mind to rest for a while and allows for plasticity of the internal mechanism to just like flow and uh, like become flexible and we need that flexibility so that these things can come to the surface that we want to connect with and then the heart chakra work oh my gosh I can't I'll I'll probably do a million podcasts or that's an exaggeration obviously but um a lot of podcasts on the heart chakra the heart chakra itself is a gateway and it's the mediator between the upper chakras, which are the um, spiritual chakras, and the lower chakras, which help us navigate the earth experience. The root and the sacral and the solar plexus are all uh, related to material and external uh, factors that we're and survival and all those things. And as we get higher up in the chakra system, um, uh, the communication and the third eye and the crown chakra, we're getting into the spirit. So that attenuation can, ha- when it happens from the heart chakra, is one of the most pure ways that we can express ourselves. When, and 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 go for that balance. And literally, it's just sitting around feeling that green energy or however you you visualize that heart chakra. And there's a flow of energy that I, it's hard to describe. I, I dream from that uh, occasionally. And when I wake up dreaming from that, it's the most purifying feeling. And uh, when I do psychic readings and it ends up that we're in, I, I get a really good... Um, flow in the heart zone and then the other person does too the vibration just raises instantly and it's like whoa this is like the cheapest high in the world and it's accessible all the time and it doesn't require drugs or anything to set it off and um so that putting the awareness in that area just thinking that you're thinking from the heart or feeling and not with any obligatory I have to be heartfelt or whatever no it's a physical literal thing of feeling that area being aware that okay I'm sinking into the heart chakra and paying attention to what that feels like to you if I can describe it how it feels to me but um I think I don't know if it's different for everybody else, but I, I want in in this discourse to allow for for whatever, however it manifests for people who are listening. And then writing down dreams, that's another way of honoring the internal world. And um, the and then the improvisation element that we have been talking about of doing something random like, you know, um, throwing aleatoric sticks and just looking at the pattern and letting it be what it's going to be or looking at clouds outside and and maybe seeing images but also just feeling what does that spark in me and it could be something abstract or it could be something literal it doesn't matter it it it, it could be uh that just that feeling that um oh wow what if i were carried off and what if my awareness is flying around in the clouds anything anything that comes to mind that opens the gate 
And improvisation with music does it. Um, improvisation with, like I said, dropping sticks. I have these um, little bones that I, ma I made out of polymer clay and I throw them and the colors do a certain thing and the arrangement of the sticks, like, and I can interpret it as a, an actual thing or as uh, a progression of things. Anything that opens up that, uh, allows for that gate to open, that strengthens that internal world. And what that does is hold back the chaos or give the chaos something to do, or attenuates the flow so that the awareness has an easier time managing it, whatever you want to say about that. Because I've worked with people who have addiction problems, and the biggest problem is that there's, uh, when I talk to them about it, is that there's chaos that uh, is related to trauma and some other things. And there's so there's so much going on. And this is not like the panacea, be all, end all, um, uh, you know, fixer of all things, but it is a way of looking at things where they may be able to, if we honor the internal world and find out why their, their, their chaos gets unleashed the way it does, uh, and, and honoring that, like I said, then we can find this balance that will help us make friends with the internal world because, it's important we live in that, you know, even though we have this participation in the external world, when we take in sensory information, yes, we're downloading our our relationship with the planet into the Akashic Records, but it's also coming together in the dream world um, and showing our awareness what the relationship between the subconscious mind or the internal world is with the out external world. So the dream world is that meeting point. If you're using the yin yang symbol, it'd be the, the point where the two come together, the, the line, the implied line where the two sides of the yin yang symbol come together could be construed as the dream world. And when our in lucid dreaming, our awareness becomes, uh, uh, well, our awareness becomes aware of, that's redundant, I know, but it, it becomes aware of that relationship and there's a fabric to that relationship. And there are a bunch of ways to look at the dream world and the astral plane, but it it is a lot of times giving uh, our awareness information about the nature of the internal world in relation to the external world. And another thing I want to explore quickly is impulse. Okay, so a lot of people deal with impulse in different ways. And impulse is this thing that we feel like we have to act upon right now. And um, there are a bunch of ways to look at what's, hap what's causing that. You know, there can be habits that cause a, a person to want to um, balance in a quick way or a destructive way what's going on. Um, but that leads me to acknowledging that mechanism. So the way I'm seeing impulse right now is it's right behind the awareness. And it's one of those things that shoots forward. And as it shoots forward and beckons us to act in some way, it feels to me as though this impulse mechanism is grabbing at the outside world for validation of something that needs to be dealt with on the internal side of things. And a lot of times it is just the acknowledgement of the internal mechanism in some way, because we are so pulled out that the impulse says, okay, if you're, if you're, if your focus and attention is pulled so far out into the world, 
I'm going to grab at things in the external world to try to balance what's going on in the internal world. That means that we don't have, we're, we're virtually blind and unaccepting of our internal world. And that can be for a lot of reasons. Again, trauma, upbringing, um, dogma, all kinds of things can, can keep us from connecting with that. And so the impulse mechanism, acknowledging that it's there and saying, you're, I know you're trying to tell me something. I know this part of me is trying to tell me something. And asking that part of the mind, what, what do you want from me? What can we, what can we, you know, look at? And then exercising these, the relationship with the internal mind in such a way that, that it gets validated. And, um, so you're trying to get out of that loop and that becomes a loop. And that's kind of, to me, what the, let's say it's the energy expression of what addiction is. People can go into psychology about it. They can go into the scientific and medical aspect of these things. But this Addiction is a huge thing, and I have other ideas on why addiction it, it, uh, wants to like multiply and go from person to person and how it does that. But in this particular discussion, the, the mechanism is that it's some part of the mind that needs attention or needs to be uh, acknowledged. And when it doesn't over and over or there's been injury to the mind in some way, it starts to loop and... And the imbalance uh, becomes is because of the denial of the importance of the inner world, and um, it's a balance within people. And when if we there are a, a multitude of ways that I think people get to the that sense of balance, and I am not going to be judgmental of any of the ways, but we're talking about the spiritual aspect of things here. And so I don't, people talk about it and there are a bunch of ways to talk about it. I'm not going to say any one way, cause I'm probably going to talk about different aspects of this from different vantage points, because it's important to get as many um, perspectives as possible on this kind of thing and why people are so craving this higher level of consciousness and the higher um, need. And when, when somebody is getting high all the time with a drug, they are go they, a lot of times, it, some of it's escapism from just the stress of, of whatever, uh, situation is causing trauma or, or just life or whatever. But some of it is a search for something. And it's this, I've talked about how the substances always have a little bit of an energy signature to them. I don't, I'm not saying that truths don't get um, met in those states, but part of the reason that people like who, who try to get high all the time, they're, they're searching for meaning and searching for a connection sometimes. And I'm not going to, you know, uh, pretend that I know all of the ins and outs of that. I would never do that. But it looks and feels, and when I've talked to people, that there is a sense of something that is missing and that, that like, especially with hardcore substance use, that, that that fills that for a while, but then it starts to become illusion. And to me, it perfectly illustrates what we're getting at is that acknowledging this internal world as an infinite, cool thing produces that magic, the hidden magic. It is, it's uncovering the truth rather than the... Um, cloud layer of the modern world, too much um, stimulus from, you know, information on, on uh, 
our phones or whatever. And so this getting in touch with the internal world and the slowing down of, of the internal um, pursuit of things and just being for a minute and really acknowledging that internal world will allow for a certain type of balance. So let's go back to that model of the infinity symbol. And we've got the two loops, which is, it's a, you know, the, the, it's like a, an eight on its side, like the number eight on its side. And say the one one is, again, the internal world, one is the external world, and then that point of awareness is in the middle, and that's where we control how how it rolls and how, how it, it relates. And um, if, if everybody got in that balance and this spirit light of the uh, internal worlds was able to shine into the external world, it would be like all these kaleidoscopes just happening at once. And I, I see the beauty of it. I believe that this, um, the archetype or whatever, I don't know if it's exactly an archetype because it's not a person, but the symbol of, or the, um, metaphor, let's say it's metaphor. Cause it's like a story of Atlantis. And I keep bringing that up, but that's a utopian kind of, um, vibe for people who believe in these energies the way a lot of us that would be listening to this do and that to me is what that would look like or something along those lines my subconscious idea of what Avalon was like or Atlantis or or the times when the uh, library of Alexandria was going and 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 it was like optimized it's that this idea that uh, the the spiritual light could shine through people in such a way that created this um, mutual respect just just by default. We keep trying so hard to to be a good person, respectful, and it, as we develop these um, s- these relationships with the inner mind, these things I believe emerge more easily and somebody would it we wouldn't be thinking so much we would we would be being and so with this beautiful idea of the uh, possibility that kaleidoscopes could happen maybe even in the small numbers like somehow i would like to to meet with people at, at some different time and or at some time as as we all like kind of uh, work with these kinds of things, or maybe we'll just happen and we'll be in the same place at the same time. I'm so lucky to have friends that can, can go into this mode and I respect them so much. I'm about, I'm tearing up because I respect the shit out of so many people who work, uh, on this stuff and just, um, get into that, that state. And it doesn't mean that everybody's got all their shit together. I don't give a crap about that. We're all, we're all bumper cars running around, in, in this life, you know, um, not every day is perfect. You'll get a flat t- tire, you know, you're, um, the sh- shit will go wrong in one way or another. But as we optimize these things and get into balance, a lot of that stuff becomes less daunting and less um, important and less intense because the internal world has this meaning that we're that just will optimize things in such a beautiful way. And when I hit those kinds of things, I know it. And then, you know, then I'm stressed out sometimes. Uh, But I would rather be in that state where my kaleidoscope is shining at its best. And I think you're amazing for listening. And thank you so much. Don't get talked out of your power. That shit is yours. Have an awesome rest of your week.